Welcome to Know Where to Run with Christopher White. Chris in Tennessee, you're on the air. Go ahead. Welcome to Nowhere to Run. You can email me at chris at conspiracyclothes.com or go to the website which is nowheretorun.podomatic.com or conspiracyclothes.com slash nowhere to run. And if you go to either of those websites in the show notes section of this episode, you will find a corresponding video that goes with this podcast. This will be the audio form of that video. It's a response to Acharya S's video um, in which she responded to the debunkers of Zeitgeist. Acharya S is the author of The Christ Conspiracy and also the consultant to the part one of the movie Zeitgeist. So enjoy and uh, I hope you like it. Hi, my name is Chris White. And my friend Frank Lordy and I are the creators of ZeitgeistChallenge.com, where we offer you cash to prove the claims that Zeitgeist the movie makes about the similarities between Jesus and other gods in the ancient world. So before Frank and I get into analyzing this response video or book commercial from Acharya S., I'd like to offer her a chance to make some money. And that is to go to ZeitgeistChallenge.com and take the Zeitgeist Challenge. After all, if what she says is true... It should be a piece of cake. Now, Frank and I are going to detail the reasons that this video that she just put out is insulting to the intelligence, not just of the people that believe what she's saying, but also to the scholars who have repeatedly asked her to produce evidence for the claims that she makes. Over the past several months, there have been many claims on websites and in forums and videos all over the Internet that the first part of Zeitgeist has been refuted or debunked. Contrary to these claims, the facts continue to demonstrate otherwise. Note that she never tells us what these facts are. Because of my work's influence on part one of Zeitgeist, a number of the debunking sites have been directed largely at me. While we would naturally expect a debate as to the facts, the detractors, whether theists or atheists, quite often have not actually studied my work, and there has not been one refutation site to our knowledge that has proceeded from an informed and unbiased perspective, accurately presenting facts based on serious research. I guess that she just wants us to take her word for it here, that none of the debunker sites use any facts or come from an informed perspective. To the right of this video, in the Details tab, I'm going to list every single debunker site that I can find, and look at them and notice that contrary to what she's saying, the claims have nothing to do with religious bias. They are simply pointing out that Zeitgeist makes a lot of claims about ancient history that are found nowhere in ancient history. But don't worry, Acharya is going to tell us a little later on why it is that no one can find any record of a great deal of the things that she says in ancient history. It should be kept in mind that in this short video, I can't cover everything, but I have already written extensively on these subjects, and I have specifically addressed several important issues from Zeitgeist in my companion guide to part one available online right now. Why is the information in Zeitgeist Part 1 not widely known? In the first place, 
Because of blasphemy and heresy laws, in the not-too-distant past, people could lose their jobs, friends, families, or even lives for merely questioning Christian dogma. And what's not mentioned here, of course, is that a good deal of people killed because of these heresy laws were Christians. Because Christians weren't allowed to own Bibles back then, and if they wanted proof, if they wanted to understand why they were subject to papal rule, if they wanted to understand how Jesus' birthday somehow became intertwined with the Saturnalia festival, and what Easter had to do with Jesus' death and resurrection, well, they were burned at the stake. Let me jump in here and add something real quick. This is not speculation. This is a matter of record. The trial records are available. The accounts of these things are available. These people were being killed because they wouldn't do various things that the Catholic Church was telling them to do. These were Christians that wouldn't worship Mary. These were Christians that wouldn't do a lot of the various things that the Catholic Church says to do. And so they were being killed for it. That's on paper. We know why they were being killed. But Acharya is telling us this is a reason why there isn't any proof of the things that she says. She's saying that people were scared to talk about it because they would be killed. So the burden of proof is now for her to show a record of some trial where somebody was trying to prove that Horus and Jesus were the same God or, or so some record of some account that somebody was killed because they were a comparative religion major. She wants us to believe this is the reason she doesn't have any evidence for the things that she says. So now, can she produce any evidence for her excuse to not have any evidence? Also, much of this information can't be found in English, but it appears in other languages, like Greek, Latin, German, French, Sanskrit, Hebrew, and Egyptian. Unless someone can work in other languages, he or she may never encounter these facts. She's saying that the reason that you can't actually validate the things that she says is because she got them from other languages, and apparently since we wouldn't be able to understand those languages, she's just going to avoid referencing where she got it altogether. Because of these situations and others, including deliberate censorship by vested interests, many of these parallels between Christ and other gods and goddesses of the ancient world cannot be found in encyclopedia entries and these seem to be where most of the debunkers are getting their information from. The following is a list of 10 encyclopedias and dictionaries. Places Acharya S. claims you cannot look for validation of the claims she makes in her Zeitgeist Companion Guide, yet she herself cites on this website, which is the book's bibliography page. As well as from Christian apologists, whose biases are obvious and well-known. Funny that Christian biases should be brought up, especially when denoted as well-known or obvious. You see, Acharya S.'s biases are not well-known or obvious, yet easily provable. Acharya's bibliography cites Wallace Budge and cites him about 20 times. Within the Zeitgeist Companions Guide text, Wallace Budge is cited in footnote form about 40 times. It's 40 citations from one author in only 50 pages. In those 50 pages, we are counting the cover and table of contents. The question is, is Budge a reliable source? Well, one footnote in the text says the following. I am aware of the debate concerning Dr. Budge's work, a controversy that some have suggested represents a form of rivalry. 
not uncommon in the academic world or in the world at large. I personally have found nothing egregious about his discussion of the Egyptian religion in English, although I cannot vouch for everything in his hieroglyphic dictionaries, for instance, which are considered outdated in their system of transliteration, but which nevertheless appear to be sound overall. So this is a guy who cited 40 some odd times in the Zeitgeist 50 page companion guide, and Acharya S already is debunking the fact that she's quoting this guy and citing this guy because she knows his transliteration, in other words, his translations are outdated. Now that being said, you don't need an encyclopedia to debunk Acharya S. All you have to do is read the accounts yourself of the ancient gods, and then read what she says about those ancient accounts, and notice the differences. And you're like, wow, nobody got crucified or resurrected after three days in what I just read. I wonder which version you're reading. And reading encyclopedia entries does not make an expert out of anyone. In addition, these days many scholars are so specialized they don't cover the broad array of subjects involved in this particular field of research. Scholars in past eras were less specialized and they did in fact make these connections within comparative religion as my research demonstrates. The reason Acharya includes this is because experts and professors and scholars that focus on the particular fields, like somebody that would be an expert in, say, Buddhism, like Professor Chung Feng Yu, who says of Acharya S., she says, The woman you speak of is totally ignorant of Buddhism. It is very dangerous to spread misinformation like this. You should not honor her by engaging in, in a discussion. Please ask her to take a basic course in world religion or Buddhism before uttering another word about things she does not know. The same thing with a, a professor focusing on Krishna says uh, of Acharya S.'s take on Krishna that it is complete and utter nonsense. I've heard Mithraic scholars say that if Acharya S. knows of Mithraic scriptures, that she needs to report it to the Mithraic uh, foundations and so on. Same thing with Egyptologists. You can't find anybody that says Horus was crucified. But again, Acharya just says the reason that the experts even don't agree with her is because they're not looking at everything as a whole. But you have to ask yourself, how does looking at everything as a whole tell you anything about what the ancient Egyptians said specifically about Horus? They either did or did not say that Horus was crucified. It's just another excuse to explain away why there's no evidence of what she said. Furthermore, some of these parallels between Jesus and the other gods represent mysteries in the ancient world that were not to be divulged to the masses. In fact, people were killed for revealing these secrets, such that these mysteries were not readily recorded. Nevertheless, with painstaking research and piecing together, we can present a solid case for all of the important parallels. Here she's saying that another reason that you can't find any record of what she says is because they were part of the mysteries and therefore not written down. She insinuates that despite the lack of evidence, she can make a strong case, but she gives us no indication what that case has to do with. In my investigation of the Horace-Jesus parallels for my companion guide, I slowed the tape down about halfway in the next little bit so you can go through her primary sources that I think were intended just to blow right past you so it just looks like, wow, look at all the pre-Christian primary sources she has. But I think you'll notice there's not a whole lot of dates in there uh, that are much past the 1800s, uh, and I don't think that qualifies as pre-Christian and certainly not a primary source. 
I incorporate many pre-Christian primary sources as well as the works of scholars highly credentialed in the appropriate fields. The other correspondences found in Zeitgeist can likewise be backed up with either primary sources or the works of highly credentialed scholars. For example, the parallels between Christ and the god Attis. Okay, this is it. This is why we all came here. Acharya is going to get into the specifics about these gods. She's going to show us where the primary sources are. She's going to prove the debunkers wrong. Let's see what she's got to say. Who was brought up in Zeitgeist are discussed by Dr. Andrew T. Fear a professor of classics and ancient history at the University of Manchester in England. In his article, Sybil and Christ, Dr. Fear tells us that Attis was killed and then raised from the dead three days later during a celebration that depicted him being resurrected out of a tomb, basically at Easter time, precisely as was said of Christ. Considering that in this whole movie, Acharya S. only addresses what you just heard about Attis and what you're about to hear about Krishna, and that's it. You would expect it to be her A material. But these things not only didn't happen, it was her best chance for them to happen. First you need to know just a little bit of background, and that is that, like Mithra, Attis existed on paper before the time of Jesus. However, neither one of them became a part of the Roman mystery religions until after the time of Jesus. And that's when the writings started to have anything at all close to Christianity. So what I'm saying is that they had a really good chance of being similar to the stories of Jesus because they were influenced by Christianity. Even the person that Acharya S. is quoting here, A.T. Fear, knows this very, very well. He says that the cult, the Addis cult modified itself in significant ways with the passing of years and says that they seem to have been provoked by a need to respond to the challenge of Christianity. So, like Mithras, Addis represents the very best chance that Acharya S. can be right about these similarities. And what makes this so sad is that she is still wrong. There are several versions of Addis's death. But in none of those accounts is he resurrected after three days. In the closest possible account during Addis's wedding, his bride dies and he basically emasculates himself. One of his friends asks Zeus if he could basically resuscitate him. And Zeus consents only in the sense that he lets Addis's body remain uncorrupted, his hair continues to grow, and his little finger moves continuously. No three days, no tomb, no nothing. And in another account, uh, Sybil falls in love with Attis, who prefers a nymph. Sybil kills the nymph. Attis goes nuts and emasculates himself. From his blood, flowers grow out of the ground, and he turns into a pine tree. There's another story where a king kills Attis and makes sure his body is never found. And keep in mind, these are after the time of Christ. And yet it still takes another 100 or 200 years in the 3rd century before anything like what Acharyas is saying at which point it becomes obvious that it was Christianity that influenced Addis, not the other way around. Which, by the way, is what the guy that she's quoting, A.T. Fierce, says point blank. Also, the idea of the Indian god Krishna's mother being a virgin is not widely known and is therefore said to be wrong. 
First of all, the virgin birth motif is specifically stated by ancient writers like Philo of Alexandria to be a mystery. Keep in mind, this is one of the two things that she says in this whole video about these similarities. This is supposed to answer the debunkers, and she gives us this and the Addis thing? And listen to what she wants you to believe. She's t telling you that the reason that you can't find any record in like the Bhagavad Gita or the Mahabharata that Krishna was born of a virgin is because it was a mystery and there weren't any writings about it. And what does she have to prove that? This guy tells us that all the Hindus are wrong about their much, much more ancient document that not only says that Krishna's mother wasn't a virgin, it says that she had seven children before Krishna. <laughs> okay? So, so she, what she's saying is, okay, okay, you got me. There is actually no record of Krishna being born of a virgin. And in fact, it says the exact opposite of that in every account. Sorry about um, my saying that point blank so much, but what I actually meant was that it's a mystery and if you want to know it's a mystery you have to go to the first century where this uh, Jewish philosopher sort of kind of implied that it was a mystery and she needs to actually go to India and, and tell all the uh, Hindus this because they have had it so wrong they needed to just hook up with Philo um, and then they could have figured all this out by now and even though she's clearly saying that there isn't any a record of this in the Hindu text. In the next few frames, she makes it look like you can find this in the Bhagavad Gita. In fact, the Google search of the book isn't from the Bhagavad Gita, but it has a little thing on the bottom that says related books is the Bhagavad Gita. As was the goddess who gave birth to a god and yet remained an eternal virgin. And this fact of secrecy explains why these themes are not found all over the place in writing. They're not found all over the place in writing, or anywhere for that matter. It's a mystery, didn't you hear? Mysteries equal no paper trail. I have written extensively about Krishna's mother in Sons of God and elsewhere. In my books, The Christ Conspiracy and Sons of God, I also discuss in detail the gods Dionysus and Mithra, who were likewise brought up in Zeitgeist Part 1. Concerning other themes in Zeitgeist, there are many good books on the subject of Old Testament myths. And my book, Who Was Jesus?, goes into greater detail regarding the Joseph-Jesus parallels, as well as the lack of evidence for the historical Jesus. We should keep in mind that shouts for primary sources serve to remind us that Christians went on a rampage to censor and obliterate everything outside of their faith. In fact, these censors destroyed a huge amount of the type of evidence that we're discussing here. This is one of the stupidest things I think I've ever heard. She is telling you that it should be a red flag to you when people ask her to prove what she is saying. She's saying if, if you ever hear of anybody asking for primary sources, you should know that that's the red flag, that they are bad. Um, because Christians destroyed all her evidence. Don't you remember she doesn't have any evidence to show you? So if you ever ac hear of anybody asking her for evidence or primary sources, you should know that that's, that's a bad Christian. One straw man argument raised by debunkers concerns the December 25th birth date of various gods, which apologists dismiss by claiming Jesus wasn't really born at that time. However, since the 4th century, when this winter solstice celebration was designated as Christ's birthday, hundreds of millions of people have been taught that December 25th is the date of Christ's birth. 
and hundreds of millions continue to celebrate that date every year. Indeed, Christian preachers today still insist that Jesus Christ is the, quote, reason for the season, unquote. Furthermore, in 2007, the United States House of Representatives passed House Resolution 847, officially declaring December 25th to be the birthday of Jesus Christ. All right, so what you need to do here is pretend that you don't know that early Christians did not celebrate Christmas, that there was no link between the birth of Christ and December 25th for 400 years. And you can do that, and you can validate the definitive link between the birth of Jesus Christ and December 25th because the United States government says so. Now, I don't know if you happen to watch parts two and three of the movie Zeitgeist, but if I'm supposed to believe the United States government validates the birth of Christ being on December 25th just because they say so, then why should I question them about 9-11? Why should I question them about the North American Union? Why bother? If they say something, it must be true. They're the United States government. I should never question them. Do you see a problem here? Do you question the intellectual honesty of a film that raises a multitude of good questions by questioning the official line, the official story, given to us by the United States government about certain topics while pointing us toward the United States government as source and validation of other topics. Raising up this issue of the birthday of the Son, S-U-N, is therefore entirely legitimate. But this assertion that Jesus was not born on December 25th merely proves our point that he is not the reason for the season. But see, that's not the point, Acharya. That's not what everybody is asking you. They're asking you why it is in your books and in the movie Zeitgeist do they use the December 25th date in connection with the birthdays of these ancient gods. I should say supposed because it never actually happened. In the case of Horus and Krishna and others, you can't actually find that they were actually born on December 25th anywhere. But that aside, you're trying to tell us that those supposed dates of those ancient gods have something to do with Jesus when clearly there is no connection to Jesus in the rational minds of people who understand that 400 years would go by before anything about sun worship or December 25th or halos or anything like that started showing up when clearly it indicates that the sun worshippers started forcing their ideology on this Christianity religion, which clearly had nothing to do with it for 400 years. So if you're trying to prove something about the origins of Christianity, you know, historians generally would deal with those 400 years before that. But, you know, you know, I understand you got to, some books to sell, and so, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But that's not the question. Another fallacy concerns the Three Kings comparison, which is dismissed by apologists because nowhere in the New Testament does it mention a number for the wise men who brought gifts to the Christ child. While it is true that the wise men, magi or kings, are not numbered in the New Testament, their gifts are numbered as three at Matthew 2.11, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The reason why she is defending this argument is because there are so many things that she has said that depend on there being three kings. So right here she's telling you, look, they had three gifts, three gifts, 
that means there had to be three kings. And if that isn't enough for you, she's got some proof to lay this whole thing to rest. Also, Christian tradition follows Matthew's suit by numbering the wise men as well. As well, did anybody just hear her admit that Matthew doesn't number the wise men? Which is why we have a famous Christmas song called We Three Kings. That's right, Acharya S. has just quoted a Christmas song to prove that there are three kings in the Bible. Look, it doesn't matter if modern Christians think that the Easter Bunny has anything to do with Jesus, or that Santa Claus has anything to do with Jesus, or that Jesus was born on December 25th. It doesn't matter what they believe, because it has nothing to do with the Bible. If we're talking about the Bible here, then you can't quote modern Christmas songs to prove that something that isn't in the Bible is in the Bible. Christian tradition also calls the three king stars in the constellation of Orion the Magi. Now I'm not saying she's lying here, but I can't find any reference to early Christians calling the three stars in Orion's belt the Magi. I know that people have in the past called it the three kings, but again you have to realize in the Bible there aren't kings, there's wise men. Nobody ever mentions kings at all, not to mention that there aren't three of them. So if somebody wanted to call the stars in Orion's belt the three kings, it wouldn't have any reference to the Bible whatsoever. But this concept is so crucial to astrotheology. If this doesn't work, a lot of it falls apart. So you find this illogical defense of this argument that it must be the Magi because it has to point to the birth of the sun or else everybody's going to know I'm a complete fraud. Much more about all these subjects can be found Considering how much time and energy a grown woman like Acharya S. is spending defending this theory that the three stars in Orion's belt align with Sirius and point to the rising sun on December 25th, it is shocking to find out how wrong that she is. The following is from badastronomy.com. The claim is that on December 25th, Sirius, the bright eastern star, lines up with Orion's belt, the three kings, and that they point to the rising sun, which symbolizes the birth of the Son of God. Sirius lines up roughly with the three stars of Orion's belt 365 nights a year, year in and year out. If you can see them, they are aligned. That doesn't change. On December 25th, the sun is on the opposite side of the earth from Sirius and Orion. Sirius and Orion have set by the time the sky begins to get light in the northern hemisphere, and it becomes possible to tell where the sun is going to rise. It is impossible for the sun to align with Sirius and Orion on December 25th, because they are not above the horizon at the same time. You can't get any more wrong than that. In my books. A word about the calumny and libel often included in these debunking videos. It shouldn't be necessary for me to address such silliness, but I can assure you that I am not a Freemason, Illuminati, CIA agent, or Mossad agent. Nor do I belong to any satanic or occult organization of any kind. Those making such claims are not only guilty of libel, but are also breaking one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. This is way lame. I, she, she's like a little kid or something. I don't know anybody that calls her a Freemason or a Satanist or 
anything like that. This is like a self-serving argument. She gets to paint her detractors as illogical people that don't really understand the facts, and so they have to resort to these ad hominem attacks on me. How stupid. And you hear all the laughing in the background. It's just like, it's so self-serving, and it's just lame. I bet if you asked her who it is that's calling her a Satanist and Freemason, she'd be like, oh, it's just, it's emails. You can't read them. Or maybe she'd tell you it was a, it was a mystery, and that's why there's no actual record of people calling her that. It's, it's a mystery. This type of vitriol has been tossed around by Christians since day one, and it is quite tiresome. And speaking of wearisome speech, the point raised by Zeitgeist about the book of Revelation and the end times is important for the reason that this constant talk by Christian evangelicals may actually bring about Armageddon by setting up Christians to do battle. Preparing Christians to do battle? What the hell is she talking about? You can't even imply that that's what the book of Revelations is saying to do. In fact, most of the critiques I get is that um, the Bible is a control mechanism to get Christians to lay down, to accept the new world order. And that is the even more ridiculous, because here's a book that was written 1900 years ago that completely calls the new world order out and gives their plan away. That's why Christians tend to be the ones talking the most about this, and everybody just hates it. Acharya S. is not the foremost authority on this, or it doesn't look like a whole heck of a lot. In fact, she seems to me to be a something of a, a free agent as far as the facts are concerned, and that she will pick and choose and even outright fabricate things in order to come to the conclusions that she needs in order to make her points and sell her books. And I would also suggest that the reason that you can't find any record of the things that she claims are true in ancient history is not because they're a mystery or all the evil Christians went and destroyed all her evidence, or even that it was in some language that now is unable to be referenced or um, any of the other reasons that she says that no one can find any record of what she says. The reason is, is because it's not true. She is lying to you all for one purpose, to discredit this dude. What is the deal about this dude? Why is everybody lying about him? You know, it's one thing to discredit something that's not real. It's one thing to have people debunk Christianity on the facts. But then there's another thing to have people come up with these ridiculous lies in order to debunk the guy. Have you ever had somebody lie about you and it's like one of those things you're like, hey, what did you just do that? You just totally lied about me, and now everybody thinks this stuff about me. Why are you doing that? That's the same thing I feel like this is all about. Look, I've spent a long time dealing with the various critiques and debunkings of Christianity, and I find them all to be just like this, really stupid. I mean, t if you take them and break them down, most of them can be broken down like this. Oh, you're debunking the Catholic Church. You realize the Catholic Church was like 400 years after Jesus, right? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and sign off, and if you want to email either myself or Frank, you can go to zeitgeistchallenge.com. You can also go to the um, description section of this movie on YouTube or on Google Video, where I'm going to list a huge list of the various Zeitgeist debunking sites, as well as the Acharya S debunking sites, which are included basically in the Zeitgeist uh, material. And I'll also put a link to Zeitgeist Challenge on that. And uh, I'd like to thank everyone for for watching the movie and I hope it 